video to sort of try to help balance that out um, and and just you know to, to communicate the sense of, of the value and, and love that, that moms um, bring to families and so thank you guys for for being moms and uh, for allowing us to celebrate this and um, and be reminded of how much our moms mean to us um, it's interesting it seems that the that um, the younger you are the harder it is to appreciate your parents um, and then the older you get, the more you begin to see, oh my goodness gracious. Um, and you begin to appreciate your parents more and more and more. Um, and, and you see the different things that they've done and you begin to evaluate it. So th- there's, this, there's this part about being a parent that is, I think, under under a, it just sort of goes with the territory of being underappreciated. Um, and that, you know, you're, you're, you're working with, you know, kids and oftentimes a husband um, um, who may not be the most, uh, you know, appreciative and recognized. Because a lot of the stuff that's done is, is, is unseen. A lot of stuff is behind the scenes. A lot, a lot of the stuff is, is not out front. Um, and you're, a lot of times you're, 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 you're serving, you know, kids who may not even know what you're doing or, or, or fully appreciate. And so there's, there's a sense that sometimes being a parent uh, can be something that you're underappreciated in and you're not, you're not taken, um, given value and credit and thanks for. And I don't know if you've ever been underappreciated. It, it, it actually is a hard thing after a while, you know. Okay, yeah. um, it, 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 it makes it sometimes difficult to, to go on because we, we all want to be valued for what we do. We all, we all want people to go, yeah, good job. You know, I was funny. I, had, I, was, at a, I was at a conference this last week, and it's going to bug me. It's wrinkling the carpet. Um, <clears throat> I was at a conference. I'm OCD. You can appreciate me for that, can you? Um, but I was at this conference time last week, and we were, we were working. We had some detailed conversations with a couple organizations, and, and, we, were, and we actually had a facilitator there trying to help make the thing go well and understand and learn about organizations and stuff. And we got to this point where one of the other people from the other organization was sort of making this statement and, and I knew there was something more going on. I just, for some reason, I had to sense something was going on. So then the facilitator said, no, no, you don't need to worry about this. Da, 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 da. And so I just paused and I said, you know, tell me about that. Tell, tell me about what you just said. Sort of explain that to me. Why, why you're feeling this way. Is it because of this or is it because of this? Um, and the person just started talking and then just broke down. And just started crying. So yeah, it's because of this and this and this and this. And it just it just shaped, it just it just transformed the meeting. We got to this transparency. We highlighted some 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 key things we were gonna need to work through. It was like I'm like, this is awesome, you know. And of course I wanted credit. <laughs> no, I'm thinking after the meeting, did anyone know that I saw that and asked that question? Did anybody see that, that I, I, I'm, not even a, I'm not even an intuitor? I mean, if you get on those scales of, I'm, I'm low on intuitor. Like, I'm, my, I'm, I'm like not the in-tune person. I, I just don't perceive things. I, I, I buy my wife's directness because I don't sense things. Um, and so I, like, I'm like, here I am, I sensed something. I asked a question which drew out something that changed the course of the event. And no one even noticed. No one, and I even, I even fed someone a softball. I'm like, here I am in the car on the way home, like with my boss. I'm like, hey man, yeah, I'm not even a fear anything, but I just sensed there was something going on. I just had to ask that question. Nothing. He didn't, I gave him a softball. I was looking for praise, looking for someone to acknowledge me and say, yes, yeah, it was awesome. You saw that. You asked a question. You changed the direction of our meetings. Nothing. So I get to tell you all to get the praise. So I, I've got to get the... Thank you! Thank you! That's just what I needed. Phew! Okay, now I can go on. Now I can go on. But, but seriously, that, that's sometimes how we are in the sense of feeling unappreciated is very difficult. 
And you're like, I just want someone to know. I want someone to validate. I want someone to affirm what I did and what I do and who I am. Okay, and that, that, that's just a part, of, that's just a natural sense of life. And we, neither do, we don't want to be underappreciated, nor do we want to underappreciate those around us. We don't want to walk away, you know, come up a couple years later and go, oh crud, they did all this and I didn't know. They did all of this and I had no idea and I just blathered around blindly and, 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 and just, just gave them no, no, no thanks or no appreciation. For, none of us want to be in that situation. And so, so today we're going to actually be looking at a passage that, that my hope coming out of this passage is that we're going to appreciate what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. That's my goal. Is so that after this time together, we just have a little while together, probably 20, 25 minutes, we'll be looking at the scriptures together, and we'll walk out going, man, I am so thankful, God, that what you did for me in Christ. That we will be able to appreciate it and value it. And I also hope that we'll actually have a greater appreciation, not just so that we can thank him, but we'll have a greater appreciation of what he's done for us so that we can take advantage of it, so that we can live in light of it, so we can look at ourselves in a new way. And so that's my hope today, is that um, we'll be able to do this. We'll be able to, to be thankful and give praise to God, and also that we'll be able to be aware of what he's done for us and live in light of it. So the main point we have today is this, is that, is that through Christ's death, we have life. So we're going to look at this reality in Colossians. We've been in this series in Colossians about, you know, no less than Christ. And, and we're going to look at this passage. I, this is the passage I was actually trying to get to on Easter. And it just, with the snow day and all different stuff, it just didn't work out. And so we just slowed down in Colossians and I just let it fall here. Um, this is a very powerful passage. Tell me that. Um, but in a very powerful passage um, about what Christ has done for us. How he has transformed us. How he has given us life through his death. And so we're going to sort of walk through. And he gives us a couple different images to explain that. So that's my hope. I don't, I don't, you know, my hope is that as we walk through, you'll, you'll walk away today going, man, what God has done for me is amazing. And I want to give him thanks. I want to respond to him. I want to live in light of him. Of how he has given me life through the death of Christ. So that's what we're doing today. It's just a couple of verses. So I'm going to read the verses. We're in Colossians 2. We're in verses 13 to 15. And so I'm going to read um, 13 to 15. And then I'm going to set up the context. And I'm probably going to back up a second and read a couple of the verses that Jacob taught us through last week. And then I'll, then I'll come through and we'll teach through the passage. So here we go. So verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and con condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So what Paul does, he gives us a couple images here of coming from death to life, of having this debt, this obligation that, was, that, that, that we were sort of, um, you know, declared guilty and he sort of moves us to innocence. And this whole thing of the powers that are all arrayed against us, he has triumphed over them, giving us freedom. So he walks through these different images sort of explaining what has been accomplished through the death of Christ. And we're going to discover that through the death of Christ, it's one of these ironies, you know, through the death of Christ, we have life. 
It's, 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 this, it's this, you know, just amazing reality. Now, if you guys remember last week, Jacob was talking about how we have fullness and freedom in Christ. And he walked through the passage right before this. And if you, have, if you weren't able to be here, we, we got a new terminology from, um, in, our, in our language now, saying becoming de-dragoned. Um, and so if you weren't here last week, uh, I encourage you, he, he, he read us this great quote from um, Voyage of the Dawn Treader with Eustace um, by C.S. Lewis. Phenomenal. Actually, most, I, I didn't realize, a lot of you guys don't know, the sermons from Journey are actually on the Dawson webpage. You can download, listen to us. So, so if you want to hear the great story about um, being, how we can be de-dragoned, um, <clears throat> that, that, you can go listen to the sermon from last week. But, but the concept last week was talking about is that the, the passage began last week about how we have freedom and fullness in Christ. And it gives this picture, he talks about circumcision, how God has, you know, th- th- which is an image in their day, which was very common. In our day, it's not so common. So, so Jacob very helpfully picked another image um, of, of, from the story of C.S. Lewis of how this guy became a dragon, was trying to get off the dragon skin, and then it took until Aslan could peel off the skin that could get down to, to, to being a human and could get down to the pure self again and how, how, how Aslan came and gave purity and gave life. And, and so that's sort of the image here in the verses before. I'm going to read them because what's happened in the verses before is that Paul is using this image of circumcision and and death and life that he picks up in the passage we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to read, it's not in the slides, I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll read verses 11 and 12, and then we'll come back to 13. This is in 11, he says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. In other words, he's saying, you were circumcised, but this is not the normal thing to think about circumcision. This is not a physical circumcision. He says, you know, your whole self ruled by the flesh or a sinful nature, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. In other words, Christ did something to us, to our, to our corrupt part, to our sinful nature, to, to our propensity to sin, to that thing that leads us to be guilty before God. Christ set that aside. And he describes, he says, having been, and then he shifts to the image of baptism. He goes, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So he says, so then he begins to use the image of baptism. He's saying, just as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that image of baptism also talks about how you died and then you were raised to life and that all happened through your faith in God. And so by faith, we've been saved by faith. And he brings up both these images of death to life, of circumcision and of baptism. So that, that's the context that we have right before we come to verse 13. So now listen to verse 13 again. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. So do you see how he's picking right up on the verses right before? He's talking about this whole situation of of, of those images. But what he's saying, he's saying, look, you were dead in your sins and God made you alive. Okay, so, so that, that's the first thing I want to talk about is, is that, you know, through Christ's death we've been made alive. And he sort of begins by saying that. He's saying that God made you alive with Christ. Now, one of the things, you know, about this image is when you were dead, you were made alive. There's not anything we contributed to it. It's not, not, not like we sort of, you know, we were dead and all of a sudden we just, you know, got the little paddles and put the little juice on them and, and charged ourselves and we came back to life. You know, no, we, we were dead and could not change our condition. And God made us alive. One of the things about, about parenting, being a mom, or, you know, when you have this little baby that's born, can that baby do much for itself? No. It's almost overwhelming as a parent. You're like, 
I've got to do everything for this little one, right? I mean, it's like, it's like, like I'm so excited to have this little one all of a sudden, and, <laughs> I mean, they can't even roll over, right? I mean, they're not going to say, hey, you know, go pick up Papa John's for us. I mean, they, they're not doing anything. They can't even tell you what's wrong. I mean, my dad's a pediatrician. He's like, one of the, one of the challenges then is you've got to listen real well to the moms because the kids aren't telling you what's wrong. The mom's observing, the mom's giving you clues. The kids aren't going to tell you. They're going to cry. And so, so there's this sense that we're, 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 we're familiar with these circumstances of absolute helplessness. And sometimes we think of it with a little infant. That's our condition when we were made alive. We, not only were we helpless, we were sinful. And so in this condition where we could do nothing to solve our issues, God made us alive with Christ. And so he uses it too, because when you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive. And then he finishes the verse by saying, He forgave us all our sins. Isn't that incredible? Just, just soak in that for a second. He didn't forgive some of them. He didn't forgive the ones that you really feel bad about. He didn't even just forgive the ones that you've repented from. He forgave us all our sins. This is as we put our faith in Christ. I love how Paul shifts the, the pronouns here. I like pronouns. Um, but, but verse 13, he says, When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive. And then, and then just to make sure that, that everybody knows we're on the same page, he says, He forgave who? Us. All our sins. Right? So Paul's even saying, look, we're all in this. We're all in need of forgiveness. We're all in need of this grace from God. We're all, we all have this issue that God has forgiven us all our sins. And then he begins to walk through and give some images, different ways to express that. So there's a lot we're going to walk through. But I, before we move on, I just want to say, I want to highlight one other thing. He says, when you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. So God raised Christ from the dead. He was what? Dead. He was alive. God raised him from the dead. And God has now made us alive with Christ. We are identified with Christ. If you want to read a very interesting book about... That's one of the images you're going to read throughout the whole New Testament. Everywhere. In Christ. With Christ. You know, you're going to see in him. With him. There's something about Christianity that the, the essence of it really is that we are now identified. We are, we are united with Christ. We're with him. We're identified with him. He is in us. We are in him. We, all, all, of, all of his righteousness is applied to us. When God looks at us, he sees all of Christ's benefits applied to us. There's this reality of a union with Christ in a relationship with him that's at the core of everything that's Christianity. It all comes down to us being connected with Christ. So Paul's saying here, he's saying, look, when you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. And then he begins to give us 
some images. He goes, he's canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. So he, he picks this picture of, of someone who is, and there's, there's a couple different ways of looking at it. Um, some people say it's like an IOU of obedience to God. It's sort of this, this implication that we're God's creation. It's his breath in our lungs. And we have this obligation to live for him, to please him, to honor him. And, and, and what's clear is that we haven't. We see all of his decrees, all of his rules, all of his laws, and we line that up and we line up who we are and we go, we haven't matched. We have deviated from what God set up. There's this, we're guilty, 100%. We are guilty before God. And it's clear and we're condemned. It would be like, you know, if you had, let's say, let, let's say you had a, a loan for a house and you stopped paying for it. And you still stop paying for it. And you still stop paying for it. And they finally would come back and just say, hey, this is no longer your house. <laughs> I'm taking this house because you're not paying for it. And it's clear. You're in debt. You've, you've defaulted on your commitment. It's done. It's no longer your house. We've all had times that we, that we have failed. Maybe, maybe it's a test. You ever failed a test? I've, I've failed a test before. I failed some tests in logic design and circuit design in college. I failed some. I, I, I made D's in my physics that I have a minor in. Um, <clears throat> amen. Amen. There we go. D's love company. Misery love. No, no. Um, but but th th there's times when you have failed and you know it and it's public and it's clear and you know you have not lived up to the obligations. There's not a doubt about it. And that's what he's saying. Our, we should see our sin as that way. We should see it as this clear thing, public, exposed, realizing that we have fallen short and are guilty. Okay, so he says, he says what has happened though? He's, he's forgiven us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Now that's crazy powerful. Because what was actually nailed to the cross? Christ. It's right, right, right. The right question is who was nailed to the cross? So our sins, our guilt, our indebtedness, it's as if he said, no, 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 no. This is not in front of you anymore. Our sin, our failure, our shame, our rebellion, he nailed it to the cross in the person of Christ. He took it all away. All our sins. That's pretty visual, isn't it? Every sin, every failure, everything that stood against us and condemned us, rightly so, he put on Jesus Christ who was nailed to the cross and therefore liberated us 
from the punishment and guilt of all those things. That's incredible. That's incredible. And then he goes on. So, so, we, so we have him. He's forgiven our sins. He's taken our debt. And he's given us freedom and innocence. In verse 15, he says, He is disarmed and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. There's an image here that they had in olden times that we don't have now. When, 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 a, when a general would come back from conquering an enemy... Let's say, let's say there was another nation that was attacking and threatening and doing raids and killing and, and making the people you know, entirely afraid and, and that they'd been warring with. When they would go out and, and face that enemy in battle and they would defeat them, what they would do is then they would even take some of the captives that they had captured in war and they'd have a, when they come back and have a victory parade. Okay, so, so you, so like, you know, we, we're used to, like, when, in, whenever you have battles, you know, people win a sports contest, they have a victory parade. They come home, they throw confetti, and yada, 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 yada. You know, and even in battles, where, like, when, 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 like, when you had, you know, World War II, they came back, they had victory parade. You've seen the, 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 the famous black and white pictures of the streamers and going down the street and all that kind of stuff. You have, you have these parades of victories. A part of the ancient parades was that you'd also have the prisoners of war as a part of the parade. There's even, there's even one story told, and uh, it was one of the first, first second century, of, of, of a general coming back from a, from a massive war. And, and, and it, was like over, it was over a period of days. And then the first day they had, they had like all the soldiers and stuff. Second day they had all the gear, all, all the weapons and all the stuff they had conquered just thrown on carts, just clanging as they're dragging it down the street. Just clang, 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 clang. You know, this is who we defeated. And then you had all the, the prisoners come the next day, just, you know, walking down, just all in chains, just being, you know, dragged behind, you know, completely powerless, completely defeated. And then finally, the conquering general came the last day on his horse, clearly the one who's in charge, clearly that everything is over. And the battle is won. And it to be public for everyone to see. And there is no doubt the outcome of the war. There's no need to be afraid. No need to live in fear of these people. They are defeated and you can see it with your own eyes. That's the image he's calling to mind. And what he's saying is that through Christ's death on the cross... He has overcome all the powers and authorities and evil forces in this world. He has won. Just as, and he's made a public spectacle of them. Just as if he did this massive parade and they're chained and bound walking along behind. And he did this how? Through the cross. Which is crazy. The cross was what they, the cross was the ultimate humiliation of Christ. The cross is what people thought they were defeating Jesus. The people who were putting him to death thought that they had won. Right? They thought he was at their mercy. They, they beat him. They, they, they whipped him. They humiliated him. They basically crucified, basically naked on a cross, publicly, jeered at. All these things. They're thinking that they've won. That all of his opponents thought they've won. 
And this very act, this very moment, this very event where Christ died on the cross in shame was actually the triumph and the death of sin. And Christ raised him from the death, dead to show victory over death. And that his death for us had been successful and had accomplished our forgiveness. Incredible. So that's, I mean, triumphing over, triumphing over them by the cross. Think of the irony and the imagery in that. Triumphing over by an image of defeat. Triumphing over by a humiliating loss. He triumphed over by his death on the cross. I mean, we're, con- we're, we're, we, we, we can, we, we're sometimes familiar with these ideas of sacrifice and stuff that leads to victory. Like if you play chess, you may, may, may do a, a queen sacrifice. You know, you, you, may, you, may, you may sacrifice your, your most valuable per- piece on the board to get them to move and they lose the queen, but you trap them in a way that the next move you get a checkmate. So it's called a queen sacrifice. My wife's shaking her head like, no, no chess talk. Okay, yes, chess is on my brain still. Um, but we even, let's say we see it in football. In football sometimes you'll do what's called a, what do they, what do they call it, a screen, right? The, guy, the linemen will pretend like they're blocking and they'll sort of let the guys through. So, 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 so you have your offensive linemen are, are pretending like they're going to block somebody, but they're actually going to let them through because the goal is to sort of do a bad job at blocking to then run past them and the ball's thrown and then you're blocking down the field. So, so it's, it looks like a failure. It looks like you're doing a poor job of blocking, but you're actually setting up a play so they can block down the field and have this you know, unexpected result that, 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 that you know, gets the ball down the field. So we use this idea of something that looks like a defeat or looks like a mistake that can turn into something powerful. Well, Christ's death is, is, is even so much more than that because it was an actual death. An actual humiliation that's the cornerstone of all of us having life. So he triumphed through the cross. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. You see, through the death of Christ, we have life. Through the death of Christ, we have life. We have spiritual life. We have a relationship with God. We have freedom from the guilt and condemnation. And we have freedom from the powers and authorities in the spiritual realm that once stood over us. We have life. So my my hope is that today that we'll, we'll thank God for that. We'll say, God, thank you for giving me life. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross. For literally nailing my sin, guilt, and shame to the cross in the person of Christ. Thank you that you took my guilt that I know about even. But that was even more apparent to you and you've now given me innocence. Thank you that you took my enslavement to sin and now given me freedom to obey. Thank you that you've given me life through the death of Christ. So today, I, I, that, that's, that's my only goal. As you walk out of here out of appreciation and that I'll walk out of here 
with greater appreciation of what Christ has done to give us life. And that we'll realize the significance of that. That we can walk in freedom. That we can walk in joy. That we can walk in gratitude. That we can walk in thankfulness. And that we can share this message because it's available to all. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that through the death of Christ we have life. That through faith in Jesus Christ you have forgiven our sins. All of them. That it is as if you nailed our sins to the cross in the person of Christ. And you finished with them there. That you nailed our guilt and condemnation and shame to the cross in the person of Christ. And finished with them there. That you overcame and disarmed the ruling power of sin in our lives. Through the cross. And you finished it there. Thank you. That through the death of Christ we have life. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.